You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, and this is episode number 25. Here we go, guys. We are back with another solo show, continuing our summer series on purity, specifically emotional purity, and defining what it is and why it's important. Today, we are diving into the topics of forgiveness and self-worth. Now, I have been using my first book, The Palace Keepers, as a guideline for these show notes because it's all about the purity of the heart. In this episode, I do share some insights that are not found in the book, but they are important to discuss. And as you know by now, I'm all about opening up these tough conversations. We define what forgiveness is, why it's essential in our walk with God, how forgiveness demands justice and perfection, creating boundaries Jesus never set, and creates an atmosphere for us to be deceived by the enemy. We also talk about comparing ourselves with one another, how we measure our worth, and why we need to look at what Jesus said and did on Calvary versus what other people say and do to us. Not going to lie, these principles were hard to learn and are even harder to put into practice, but ignoring them will not make us better. So let's just rip off the band-aid, all right, and work towards the healing. Here we go. Let's get started. This is episode number 25 called Forgiveness and Self-Worth. You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast. I'm JC, and this is the place where we get real, sharing truthful insights that will encourage us to make intentional choices in both life and business. I want to start conversations that not many young Christians today are having. Will you join me? This podcast episode is sponsored by my very first book, The Palace Keepers. I am celebrating seven years since I released my very first book, and I am re-releasing it on Amazon as a paperback with a brand new, beautiful, photographed cover. This cover is a photograph of a gate that I personally took in a local park in my state of Connecticut. In The Palace Keepers, I share my detailed testimony on how God revealed himself to me when I was in a broken relationship and what he taught me about being pure in our hearts. Sometimes we feel like purity needs to happen sexually first, but that's the backwards way of the world. Our hearts should be pure and motive first so that our body can follow in line. If you want to learn more about the Palace Keepers, head to Amazon.com and search the Palace Keepers and purchase yours today or head to the show notes for a direct link. Hey guys, welcome back to the Hello Awesome podcast. I am JC and I am sick. (laughs) Actually, I'm getting over sickness. I feel great except for I have some sinus issues. So my voice is a little bit different. And in the next interview as well, actually, The next two interviews I did, you will hear that coming up. Um, My voice will sound different in some of the episodes in the future uh, for this month of July. Don't be alarmed. It's still me. It's just I'm getting over sickness and this is just how my voice sounds for right now. But I cannot stop with the podcast because we must continue. Right now we are working through a purity series this summer and I've been really enjoying it. So I hope you have been as well. We've talked about how God appoints relationships and the perfection of his timing. We also defined what emotional purity and promiscuity was and why it's important. 
If you want to review these topics, just listen to episodes 21 and 23. We are diving into the topic of purity during our solo shows every other week here on the podcast, and it has been great so far in my opinion. Today, we will be talking about forgiveness and self-worth. Now, you might be wondering, what does that have to do with purity? And we'll get into that in a minute. I will be using my very first book, The Palace Keepers, as a guideline and sharing some points I made in there during the series because it's all about the purity of the heart. And I also will be sharing other insights that the Lord has given me as I've studied in preparation for this series that may not actually be in the book. And that's okay because that's how God works. He continually grows our knowledge and moves us into new dimensions of thought that we may never have uh, gotten into. And forgiveness and self-worth goes along with the purity of the heart. Now, these two topics may seem opposite, but they really aren't. In fact, they complement each other so well. And I think after this episode, we will see why. Many people have asked me why my book is called The Palace Keepers. And I get it. It's kind of a unique name. Well, when I think of a palace, I think of elaborate structures, polished staircases, and high-end items. I tend to think of a palace as something more appealing to the eye than an average home. Would you agree? And so, what would we think if we saw a gorgeous stone palace with run-down, old, tattered furniture inside? We probably wouldn't have a good opinion about it because it almost doesn't make sense. We might think whoever owns that palace doesn't care about it, right? As we walk our daily lives, we are a palace to the Lord, and He has given us the job as keeper. We are to follow His leading and instruction so that not only are we polished on the outside, reflecting His goodness, but the inside matches the Word of God as well. Does that make sense? Romans 12:1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. First Chronicles 29.1 says, For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. As a palace keeper, we are in charge of guarding every opening physically and spiritually, and presenting our palace in a pure way to the King of Kings. The exterior can be beautiful, but God delights in how you dress the interior. What is the condition of your heart? Have you been careful what goes in and out of it and what stays? Our hearts are made for royalty. We are sons and daughters of King Jesus, and we have an inheritance waiting that no one else can give us. He would love our hearts to be poised with dignity, filled with high value and great quality things, having good treasures in their rightful places. But this takes upkeep, and sometimes it does get weary trying to maintain it. But can you imagine a house so divine without someone watching who or what is coming in or going out? Or not having anyone delegate responsibilities? Not being a palace keeper would have devastating consequences. Palace keepers are the overseers to guard the palace inside and out and bring a sense of security following the king's orders. There is a path for our life, but God gives us the choice to walk it. It is up to us to accept the job as a palace keeper and follow the Lord's ways. The end reward is much greater with a willing heart 
who wants to step up than with one who just went through the motions and is only staying level. With that being said, we have to take inventory of our emotional purity. What are we allowing to camp out within us that will hinder our walk with God? Are we allowing something to keep us stuck where God wants us to thrive? No one else is going to do this for you. I hate to say it. You will have people to counsel and mentor you, but the hard work you have to do. And I think this is where we get stuck because it's not easy. And usually we aren't truly being honest with ourselves. But taking care of our hearts doesn't mean we follow everything we want to do or chase after all the feelings. Taking care of our hearts usually means pushing past our natural desire to be right and letting God work in an area or areas we would rather keep closed. It's like we're saying, no thanks, Lord. We're just going to shut this door to this dirty room and pretend we're okay. Well, I feel like God is telling us, no, it's not okay. Because when we keep the door shut to a place that needs healing, we're ultimately saying we can't trust God with this, right? God, I love you, and I believe you are sovereign, that you are powerful and can do all things, but not in here. So let's forget about it. Let's just close this door. The problem is, we don't actually forget. We ignore, and God is trying to make us better. And we can't reach next levels until we open doors that we are really wanting to keep shut. What I'm going to say next is not in the book, The Palace Keepers, but I wanted to talk about it because it does go along with purity. And I like to tell you that so if you do buy the book and read it, you're not confused as to why this isn't in there. Don't worry, I'm sure it'll find a way into another book in the future. Now, I'm not going to slap you with a bunch of scriptures in hopes that they stick because I feel like with this next topic, that's usually what happens. And I fully believe in the power of the word, of course. But I also know that we have heard the same thing said over and over and over again. And today I want to speak into it a little differently. Forgiveness has been living in that room we've been keeping shut. And often we open the door just to peek at it, entertain it a little bit, but then we quickly retreat. You know, like if you have a crazy hyperactive pet that's begging for your attention constantly, so you give it a little love and you scratch behind the ears, but it never seems to be enough. They are just crazy in love with you and will not leave you alone. So after a while, you're a little too overwhelmed to meet that need for that hyperactive pet and you put it back in the cage. Hmm. Forgiveness can be like that. It can be relentless when we aren't ready for it. And so we shut it behind a door and leave it, hoping it will quiet down. But the problem is, it never does. The thing about forgiveness is, it's never easy. It's against our natural senses to stand our ground. Forgiveness feels unnatural to us sometimes because we want things to be fair. We want justice for wrongdoings and forgiveness feels like granting someone a free pass. To us humans, this seems the opposite of good, especially when we're in the middle of a mess, in the middle of an offense. Forgiveness is an act of the will to grant someone grace, even if they don't deserve it. It's a powerful gesture that goes against our desire to retaliate. It requires action instead of emotion, calmness instead of being irrational, 
and peace instead of chaos. When our lives have burned bridges without the act of forgiveness, it will be difficult for us to go where God wants us to go next. There will be a block mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. We will feel stuck in that area, in that relationship, and confusion grows. God is not the author of confusion, and therefore he cannot be the author of unforgiveness because that's what it feeds. Unforgiveness feeds confusion. An unsure, unsettled emotion or mindset that doesn't encourage reconciliation. This is what confusion does when paired with unforgiveness. And while we want justice and things to be fair, often the most fair thing to do is to just forgive even when we think it is not justified. When the Lord became a man, his purpose was to be known and have a relationship with each one of us. To do that, Jesus was the lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. He took human limitations upon himself, walked how we walk, and felt what we felt. Then after the end of it all, the Lord Jesus Christ died on a cross to wipe the slate clean from our sinful registry, even for the people who spit on him as he struggled to breathe even for the Pharisees who continually judged and mocked him, even for the ones in this modern day who treat God like a fairy tale. That is forgiveness. The Lord giving his life for all of us, no matter how dirty we are, is the ultimate example of forgiving someone regardless of their actions. And it's easy to expect, but not so easy to give. And that is why it is holy. What forgiveness does is creates a way for love to bind the hearts of those involved and bring reconciliation to the situation and relationship. In order to be unstuck from unforgiveness, we have to deny our flesh. We have to push past hard feelings and remember the facts surrounding Calvary. It's an example to us that forgiveness is not about the other person deserving it. It's about releasing grace into the atmosphere where wounds need to be healed, where confusion needs to be calmed, where emotions need to be controlled. We will not become unstuck if we are always in a state of offense with people. But if we can see past the pain and onto the cross, we will be equipped to forgive and move forward. I once read somewhere that Unforgiveness is like drinking poison, but expecting the other person to die. In a sense, unforgiveness does feel like a toxic liquid burning within us, eating away at love, joy, and grace, blocking our conscience to do what is right, and severing the outstretched arm of reconciliation. God desires for every sin to be abolished and for relationships to be reconciled. He does not want us fighting against one another. That is not unity. He doesn't want us holding grudges, gossiping, or backbiting. He doesn't want churches to be divided, friendships to be broken, or marriages to be lost. When we are stuck in a hurtful place where unforgiveness is breeding, the enemy delights. Because if he can keep our eyes on the hurt, on the offense, on the sin, then he can begin to control our hearts. Do not give him that power. The Bible says in James 4, 7, 
Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. So when a voice tells you not to forgive someone, resist it. Because when you do, you are resisting the voice of the enemy. That will never be God's voice telling you to not forgive someone. It never will be the Lord. Forgiveness is not only for the other person. It's for us. And this sounds so selfish. I get it. But it's actually self-care. We usually think of bubble baths and facials, which are obviously glorious things. But self-care is also getting your inside right, your mind, heart, and soul. Smooth out the wrinkles of unforgiveness. Massage the tenderness of grace. Remove the beam of hypocrisy that holds us down. Forgiveness rejuvenates and refreshes. It makes all things new. It loves when people seem unlovable because that wasn't a criteria when Christ died for us. He didn't pick and choose who to save. There were no records of wrongs. This is the power of forgiveness at work. We may need to give it time, of course, but let's not give it more than needed because we have an enemy that is waiting to pounce, to snuff out any reconciliation. He will tell us it is not worth it. He will say that they don't deserve it. He will whisper that forgiveness is a free pass and what happened was inexcusable, but this is spiritual warfare. When we become stuck in unforgiveness, we are allowing spirits to decide for us how to handle it. It seems like we are in control, but we are not. Our own sinful flesh and the powers of darkness that seek to destroy anything good that God covets, that is what is in charge. And God covets forgiveness. He endorses it so much that he chose to make a way where there was no way through Calvary. The Lord Jesus Christ showed us that forgiveness is not dependent on the action of others. It doesn't need approval or justice. Forgiveness is just because it leads to healing. And that is all God ever wants for his children. Reconciliation. To become unstuck from unforgiveness, we must realize that no one deserves it ever. We are all completely selfish in our own ways, and not one person is without sin. We are not perfect, and yet unforgiveness waits for perfection. It waits for the other person to be without sin, and therefore creates boundaries Jesus never set. At the cross, chains were loosed, and this includes the bondage of unforgiveness the tight ropes we wrap around people to feel heard. Forgiveness says, I may not feel as though you deserve grace, but neither did I. So I release you the way Christ released me. When we make a conscious effort to forgive, even if the other person rejects it, something shifts within us that enables us to move to the next level with God. And he begins to work within us in ways we never thought possible. The other party does not need to accept the forgiveness. They don't. But if you openly extend it, that gesture alone can move a mountain within your own faith. It can unlock something in your heart that brings you to a new avenue of peace. I believe when we purposely choose not to forgive, we are saying we have more worth than the other person, that we have more value, and that they can't measure up to us. 
Having low self-worth is something I believe we all feel. We hear all the time how God created us in a special way. But to be honest, most days we just feel basic. We don't feel special. But then something happens and an offense is made and all of a sudden we feel powerful. We feel worthy of justice. And we almost look at the situation as a way to feel better about ourselves. And while maybe that does work for a moment, it's not meant to be a long-term staple. It can't be because it's the opposite of everything Christ is. And if we are made in his image and we are to be like Jesus, then we cannot camp out in unforgiveness because that is not what he did. The definition of self-esteem given by the NASE, the National Association of Self-Esteem, is this. The experience of being capable of meeting life's challenges and being worthy of happiness. That makes sense. When we look at ourselves, we often wonder if we are worthy of happiness, love, joy, peace, understanding. Our experiences shape our idea of who we think we are and how people perceive us. And I know we in Christianity are always so cautious when we hear the word self get thrown around. And I think one thing I've realized is if we are using it in a way to analyze our behavior and correct something within us that needs fixing while pairing it with prayer and the word, then I think we need to realize that one word does not limit God. In fact, he is the creator of words, so we just have to use them properly. Self-worth is the value of what you perceive you are worth as a person. To be worth something, we tend to think we have to have a price. If we feel a high level of self-worth, we seem to have a higher standard and expect a higher level of respect, right? And if we have low self-worth, we feel as though we have no value and deserve no respect. Sometimes we think our self-worth depends on other people around us. That if we measure up to their standards, then we adopt a high level of self-worth. What this does is just cause us to feel worse about who we are and the person God wants us to be. We cannot measure our value by comparing ourselves to other humans. But we have a God who loves us so much that he made sure to place certain things in scripture that define exactly how much each of us are worth. James 2.5 says, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? Philippians 2, 5-8 says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. God reminds us that we each have true worth by looking at the price that he paid for our opportunity of salvation. We can measure our self-worth by what he has done for all of us, becoming the sacrifice for our sins so that we may have eternal life. He didn't have to, but he did. And that not only is the very heart of forgiveness, but that's also assigning self-worth to every human being, regardless of what they have done. Jesus died for us on the cross at Calvary, shedding his own blood for his precious sons and daughters. Surely through that revelation, we see how much we are worth. 
Why do we seek approval and measurement of worth from each other? When we realize the price Jesus paid, that's when we see our true worth. He thought we were worth his life. We didn't deserve it. We don't deserve it still. And yet that sacrifice continually washes over our sin every day, making clean the things we thought could never be clean. Your self-worth is not defined by what others say and do, but it's defined by what Jesus said and did. Jesus tells us in John 10, 9 through 11, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Jesus not only is the door where we enter in, but he also is the good shepherd doing the work, praise God. As both God and Savior, Jesus showed us how much he loves us that day at Calvary, and the fact that we can still run to his feet Asking him for forgiveness is the most powerful testimony of how much we are worth to our Father. It is so hard not to compare ourselves to one another. Believe me, I know this, but guys, we have got to try to recognize that we are falling into that trap and stopping ourselves from deception. That's what that is. We are being deceived into thinking someone else is more valuable. And that is not true. Just think about how much the world glorifies Hollywood and how much of that is dripping into our Christianity today. If we think Hollywood doesn't have a hold on us in the church too, then we really are blind. We are constantly being bombarded with images and themes, trying to tell us how to feel and how to look and what to do. Television rarely shows how much time, effort, and money goes into creating all the popular looks and trends. How networks hire professional psychiatrists and analysts to research ways to emotionally manipulate us so we consume more of their content. Hollywood never shares the behind-the-scenes editing that magazines do before photos hit print. If we think about it, every single photo we have ever seen in a magazine in America has been photoshopped or altered in some way. In fact, back in the fall of 2009, the famous fashion designer Ralph Lauren became a target under fire after an ad featuring a horrifically altered model raised eyebrows and questions about how the fashion industry pushes perfection. I came across this information when I was researching for the Palace Keepers, and the ad showed a well-known model's head badly photoshopped onto a very thin body. And I've seen this photo myself, and as somebody who works with digital art, it was so clear that the two pieces were put together as an effort to deceive the audience. On top of that, it was revealed that the model used in the photo had actually been fired in the spring for not meeting Ralph Lauren's standard. So not only was this woman told she was not good enough to represent their brand, they manipulated photos of her using only her face but switched out her natural body for something they thought was better. This is how the world operates, guys. They tell us to be ourselves, that we're enough, and yet at the same time they tell us that we need to change and that we don't measure up to their unrealistic and immoral standards. 
And this is the presence that is infecting the nation and moving into our churches, our homes, our minds, and in our hearts. Since the dawn of time, the idea of what a person's look and weight should be has made us question our God-given stature. All these aspects affect the emotions of our hearts and how we guard our palaces. When we don't feel adequate, we naturally tend to want to change ourselves to fit a popular mold. This leaves our hearts wandering and our minds wondering, trying to fit into places we were never meant to fit into. You know, we tend to think only young people struggle with self-worth and purity. But the Lord has shown me that purity knows no age and is not subject to one race or gender. This is not just a female issue. This is a human issue. Emotional promiscuity can happen from giving somebody else or others control over your self-worth. It may not be intentional, but it is very easy to be influenced by other people's opinions and start believing them as facts. And if you want to study more about the power of influence, you should grab my latest book called The Glitter Effect on Amazon. Unforgiveness gives other people power over us. So does measuring our self-worth through comparison. None of these things is from God. We still need repentance and correction, of course. Self-worth does not negate these things, but it creates a posture for repentance and correction to reach full potential within us. Romans 12.2 tells us, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When you have the knowledge that the Almighty God humbled himself and became a man to give your soul an opportunity to be saved, you will experience the worthiness of happiness that the definition of self-esteem stated. When we don't feel good enough because we are comparing ourselves to one another or we want to feel better in certain areas of our life, particularly relationships, we knowingly or unknowingly quit guarding our palace and make compromises. We end up giving away pieces of our heart to people and they start controlling our emotions. We are not perfect, but having a willing heart to change is the best place to start. It will open us up to God and give him the green light in perfecting us. Think of the world as a bad neighborhood and your heart as your home. Would you leave your door open when crime is happening right on your front steps? Of course not. Treat your heart like you would your home. Better yet, treat it like a palace. Psalm 101.2 says, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Now, this doesn't mean that we are perfect, but while God is perfecting us, our motives also will be perfected. We will behave in a perfect way, not ours, but his. The truth is that no one knows, not even you, how much value your life really has, except for our King, Jesus Christ. No one can or will ever make you feel more beautiful or handsome or amazing than the hands that made you. 
God took the time and love to assign you special gifts and attributes. He is the only one who knows how you were constructed and what your true potential is. Nothing anyone says about you on this earth can touch the magnitude of how God feels about you. Think about that. Think about the best compliment you have ever received. Now think about this one. Jesus thought that you were so valuable, he paid the price for you with his life. He is the one who knows your true value because you are his precious creation. You are his daughter. You are his son. And nothing we do or this world does can or will change that fact. They can try. They might be trying already, but they cannot change the truth. This purity series on the podcast is opening up conversations about topics we may not usually think even associates with purity. But that's the point. Purity does not just apply to the physical. It is a process of perfection according to God's ways. Forgiveness will not just happen. We must choose it. We must give it out. This will help perfect our hearts in Christ and purify who we are within. Also, when we resist comparing ourselves to one another and adopt the Lord's measurement of our self-worth as he demonstrated on Calvary, we will move away from impure, low self-worth and step into a new level of appreciation. Telling ourselves that we are worthless and having no worth is not holy. It is not. Self-deprecation isn't righteousness, and I speak into this a lot more in episode 16 called How to Keep the Vision, so I encourage you to go back and re-listen to that. I hope this episode has helped you see things in a different perspective. It was not easy for me to learn these principles, trust me. And one thing we must understand is God does not expect us to be perfect here on earth on our own, but to take what he's taught us and apply it in the moments that matter so that we may be like him and hopefully we will be complete, perfect, and enough in heaven because that should be where we want to go, right? That should be where we want to end up. Well, guys, as always, I love our discussions here on the podcast and I pray that this episode helps you move past some things that may be holding you back from some blessings in your life. I would love for you to subscribe if you haven't already and leave a positive review in iTunes. If you leave a review, please send me a screenshot either through email at helloawesomeshop at gmail.com or DM it to me on Instagram at helloawesomeministries. As an incentive for leaving a positive review, I will send you a free digital copy of either the Palace Keepers or the Glitter Effect book. Thank you so much for all your love I have seen on social media. So many of you every week share a screenshot on your Instagram stories, sharing your love for either an episode or the podcast itself. And it encourages me so much. So please keep doing that if you feel led to. It helps spread the love and gets the word out there about what's going on here. So I am grateful. Also, I'm excited to announce that the Hello Awesome podcast was ranking on the Apple podcast charts last week. This number does fluctuate, but when I looked at it the first time last week, we were number 616 in the Christianity category and number 831 in the religion and spirituality category. I know that there are millions of podcasts in iTunes and for an apostolic-based podcast to rank anywhere on a secular chart just blows my mind. 
I just launched this podcast in February and we haven't even made it to six months yet. So I am beyond thankful for this opportunity to share with you my heart each and every week and what God has been teaching me. I love you guys so much. Please make sure that you share a screenshot this week on your IG stories and tag me, Hello Awesome Ministries, and we will pick up again next week. I will have an inspiring interview with the talented Brittany Scott. Brittany is a singer, songwriter, and church planner who will be sharing with us her journey in music ministry and how God is working through that. Thank you all so, so much. I will talk to you again real soon. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Hello Awesome Ministries? It will encourage me that you were blessed. Also, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you can tune into future episodes. To learn more about Hello Awesome, head to HelloAwesomeMinistries.com. Until next time, keep your chin up, beautiful.